Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Oh, that's nice. With guest host Ben Lyons. Flow like water, but I'm cold as ice. Where do you want to see Kevin Durant play basketball next year? I want to see him play in the West. Okay, you guys clown me for coming to Golden State. Right. Now I'm going to go somewhere else in the West. I'm going to beat Golden State. Earlier on the show, NFL Network anchor Steve Weissman. Coming up from the No Laying Up podcast, Chris Solomon. New York Liberty Guard, D.D. Richards. Plus, from Golf Digest, Haley Ledbetter. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Ben Lyons. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons in for Rich. Thank you so much for watching, for, for listening, for being a part of this with us this week. It's a week I've been looking forward to for months. Facts. I got the bat signal back in February when I was trying to get the invite to host after Super Bowl, but they went with Ryan Leaf. And, uh, and now I'm here in July, and I'm so excited. And uh, it, it means a lot for you to, to, to be a part of this. So thank you very much for listening and watching. Um, all right, we got a lot to get to. we got Dee Dee Richards in an hour, but we've been making our own top 10 list because it's that time of the year, especially in the football calendar, where we're in a little bit of a lull and all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, the season starts in seven weeks or eight weeks or something like that. We got to we gotta talk some football. So we start putting together these lists to kind of get a lay of the land and see where everything's at. Yesterday we did quarterbacks. It was voted by the diehard, passionate football fans who love this show on Twitter that I had the best list. So let's get to today's <laughs> list. No, that's not what happened. I think I think I was the maybe the fa- you came the, in the second winner. you came in second the Mac second Jones list was third Mac Jones list Mac third. Jones on any oh top ten God. quarterback Brockman list triggered people on YouTube wow um, did I really oh my goodness oh, don't, should, hey, should I go read the comments or no the, nah, just, I'm gonna respond to people don't today read the, hey, hey, don't, if you, if you oh. cloud, tried to clown me on YouTube yesterday I'm coming for you I got a bunch of TJ is the worst comments <laughs> I thought my list was pretty solid <laughs> TJ's the worst I had to put Mac Jones. I mean, come on. And what did I, I said? I respect is, like, that. Of course you did. If you people out there don't understand Mac that. Mac is in the top 10. That I'm not. That the I'm, line? If you don't get that I'm doing the thing, then like. They don't get I it. I can't help you. <laughs> doing if the TJ thing. TJ put first, I would have laughed. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, like ben, Brad, doing the thing. I'm doing the it. thing. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm doing yeah. the thing. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing. All right, I'm going to do my thing right now with my list of watch top 10. So top 10 running backs heading into 2022. Buster Ryan said, watch me get down and do my thing. Okay, let's put this list up. At number 10, we have, it was actually a tie. It was Saquon Barkley and Spike from Little Giants. But we'll go with Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Be healthy. He's a special talent. I want to see him have a good year for the New York football Giants. 
Giants. Joe Mixon on the list, took his team to the Super Bowl last year. Aaron Jones, I'm not a huge fan of, but he does put up good numbers, and he seems to get the job done for the Packers when they need him. I think Austin is a transcendent talent and going to have a huge year for the Bolts, the uh, JV team of SoFi. Uh, Look, when you look at three through six on my list, these are guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. These are guys who are are dynamic playmakers. You could interchange all of them. And I think there's a real separation between one and two and three to six. I think Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry are notches above everybody else in the NFL right now. And this is my top 10 running back list. So please break it down, break it apart. Tell me why I'm a disgrace to my family and I am a downfall of American media. <laughs> just uh, just media. a couple of guys on there that, that I'll you'll see my list in a second. But I think you're totally right. The top two guys are clear head and shoulders above everyone else. And then I think after that, it's kind of personal preference. It's who you like. It's if you think the team that they're on is going to do well this year. It's the situation that they're in. Are they running back by committee? Do they have a talented quarterback next to them? Do they have a quarterback you can rely on? What is the coaching staff, the offensive scheme, et cetera? If Baker answered the question honestly, who do you think he'd rather have as his running mate, Nick Chubb or Christian McCaffrey? Oh, wow. I think he would say, I have no idea. <laughs> that's what I, I think he would wow, say. Wow, that's a really tough question. That's the situation he's in right now. I think that's great. It's a win-win for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. All right, let's get All some right, let's look at my list. You know, funny, we both had Saquon Barkley number 10. Yeah. I actually think, back here for Saquon. I think the Giants are kind of, kind of play better than people are expecting, and I think that he bounces back. Look, we've talked a lot about Denver. And Russell Wilson and the offense there. Javante Williams is a superstar, okay? He's going to be awesome this season, so I have him at number nine. McCaffrey, it just comes down to availability, TJ. Like, I can't trust him to stay healthy for a full season, but when he's out there, he's clearly the best player on the field, so I have him eight. Uh, Aaron Jones is just going to get a lot of looks now with that Green Bay offense that's probably going to have to rely on him a little bit more. Uh, Dalvin Cook is supremely talented. I just don't love Minnesota as a team. Najee Harris is going to get the ball a lot. And when I mean a lot, he's going to get the ball a lot this year. Like 400 touches probably for Najee Harris. He might lead the NFL in touchdowns. We just don't know who his quarterback is, but he's a really good player. Joe Mixon is awesome with uh, Cincinnati. They're going to have a great season again. And I love the Chargers to make a leap this season. Justin Herbert might very well be MVP, and Austin Eckler's probably going to have 12 to 15 touchdowns. And then Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor take your pick. I love JT. Strong list. Strong list. This isn't for fantasy reasons either. This is just who's the best at football, not fantasy football, real football. Now, ladies and gentlemen, from Altoona, Pennsylvania, TJ Jefferson. Holler if you hear me. Uh, let's pop that list up and get this. Before we pop that, oh, I was going to preface this, but he put it up. I'm just going to say this. I led off of Ezekiel Elliott, and I know what the mouth yeah, breathers online. There you go. And you're, I, I didn't want to count you as a mouth breather, but you you chimed in first. So I'm going to say, is this your Mac Jones pick? I'm, but it's not. It's not. Allow me. Just let me. You love crop tops. We get it. I, I mean, I'll stop speaking until you guys are done <laughs> interrupting. Shut up. Let me answer. Will it shut up? Let me answer. <laughs> Are we done? Are we done? Okay. Here's what I'm saying about Ezekiel Elliott at number 10. First and foremost, Ben Lyons, what have you been preaching about all week since you've been here? What kind of ability is the best type of ability? Availability. Okay, so Ezekiel Elliott played in how many games last year? 17. How many games did the Cowboys have last year? 
17. He was the number seven rusher in the league in terms of yards, and he had 10 touchdowns. Like, I, How many games did he play the season before? Well, we're not talking about the season before. <laughs> we're talking about coming into this season. Okay. So everyone wants to crap on Zeke and say that he's this, that, and the third, and he's down. But I'm going to tell you, for you people who are going to say that I'm crazy, look at the numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Ezekiel Elliott, yes, his production should go down a little bit, I'm hoping, because of Pollard. So I'm hoping that he takes away some of that load off of Zeke. So in the fourth quarter, later in the season, let that just human wrecking ball go to work. But you can't tell me that Zeke Elliott's not one of the top 10 running backs in the NFL. I mean, you could. You'd be wrong. But you could tell me anything you want. All right, well, let's go up to my next pick here. Coming at number nine, Najee Harris. I'm with you, Brockman. I feel like he's a poised for a breakout Beast. here. Yeah. And he's going to get all the touches. He's going to get all the carries. And might score all the touchdowns. At eight, Christian McCaffrey. The reason I have him here is very simply, like you said, I don't know what I'm going to get out of Christian McCaffrey. If I knew I could count on him for 17 games, he'd be one or two on the list. But the fact of the matter is, the last two seasons, we haven't seen Christian McCaffrey. So I feel eight is probably a good place to put him. Now, if he was healthy, yes, he'd be higher, but we don't know what we're getting. Uh, coming at number seven, from seven to one, guys, if you just want to pick some of these out of a hat and argue them, I think they're pretty interchangeable. But Austin Eckler, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's going to have a great season. Antonio Gibson, you guys know how I feel about the Washington football team. So you can understand how hard it is for me to put a player on my list, especially this high. But Gibson's he's dope, guys. Uh, Joe Mixon, great season last year. I think that'll continue. Nick Chubb, the only reason I have him at four, maybe not little higher is because Kareem Hunt is there. He's still a great running back. He's definitely going to take some carries, some of the yards away from Chubb, even though, you know, he had a great season. Then we got Mr. Dalvin Cook. Uh, shout out to Jodeci. He's in there at three. And coming at number two, Derek Henry. I know we talked about injuries and, and availability, and we know Derek got hurt last year. But the fact of the matter is the dude's rushing total still had him, I believe, in the top ten for the majority of the year, and he missed, what, eight games. I'm not sure about the games, but... um. Derrick Henry's built different. No, people say they're built different. No, no. Derrick Henry is built different. And that's why I think he'll be able to come back after this injury. And Jonathan Taylor, friend of the show, just he's a monster. He's a beast. I love this kid. And um, I think right now he's the most talented back in the National Football League. So that's Strong my list, list, CJ. Strong list. Antonio Gibson getting some love. You know, yesterday when we were breaking this down, we were like, are there even good, like 10 good running backs? How would you even? <laughs> There's and more than this 10 exercise guys. has proven that yeah. the, the state of the running back in the NFL is alive and well. And I didn't have Nick Chubb on my list, and I, I feel the need to defend that really quickly because he is an awesome, talented player. I just think Cleveland is such a dysfunctional situation uh, with the quarterback. It looks like it's probably going to be Jacoby Brissett for a while. So, look, Nick Chubb is going to face a lot of eight, nine-man boxes, and I just think that's going to be a tough situation. Also, I don't believe any of us had Alvin Kamara on I did. I had him on my list. You didn't on yours. I didn't have mine either. I I just, I love Kamara. Look, there's only 10 spots, man. And we got to like, you know, we got to, we got to reach in here. We're trying to predict what we think. And you know, that's all. And also, again, another question mark at quarterback. We don't know what Jameis is going to look like coming back this year. And Alvin Kamara is facing a legal issue. So we don't know if he's going to miss the first part of the season. So that's, you know, remains to be seen. I was upset that uh, our, our, our tremendous staff here was not able to put in, um, uh, Icebox from Little Giants or Spike from Little Giants, one of the most dominating. <laughs> Spike. Spike, right? Spike, Icebox by defense. Spike. Yeah, Spike. Spike. Spike was dominating force for the Little Giants. No Nelly from uh, 
<laughs> Longest yard? <laughs> Nelly, that's right. I think Nelly was having a little bit of a moment this year, a little bit coming back in the mix, no? Was like he? Nelly was just kind of like, in, he was at the NBA Finals, sitting courtside. Oh, yeah, that's that. right. St. Louis right. thing, yeah, Jason yeah, yeah, Tatum, yeah, right? sure. Um, yeah, Nelly back in the mix. Not having that Ja Rule renaissance. Ooh, Ja baby. It was so great. I, oh, my God, you guys. I got the chance to go to a Knicks preseason game, which is so much fun. Knicks pre- Did they let you play in it? Knicks preseason <laughs> game. Good friend Richard <laughs> Schiff played play the West Wing card and got us the, okay. the celebrity seats, which I never get to okay. do. And we sat next to Ja Rule, who I used to intern for. It's amazing, right? So introducing Richard Schiff to Ja Rule. There's no way like he remembered. No way he remembered it. No, of course he doesn't remember okay. me. No, it's like, remember the summer that you did the song with J-Lo? I like handed out CDs in the street. I'm you know? to keep it hopping, um, hopping. And it was just so great because at halftime, they take you back to the little room with the snacks and I use the bathroom and I hear knock, knock, knock on the door. I'm like, oh, I'm in here. One second. I hear knock, knock, knock. Come on, man. Come on, <laughs> man. Ja, baby. I gotta go, baby. <laughs> I open the door and I'm like, you're waiting on your intern right now. <laughs> which is just a great life moment for me. It's murder. Put that out there. Um, all right, cool. We got uh, Chris Solomon, no laying up. Checking in next. Little golf talk here on a Wednesday. Ben Lyons in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> this is it. it. For the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. Come on, get it together. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Let me tell you why. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system that gives you the full picture of your business. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need and it's all in one place. You can automate your manual process and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after they upgraded to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash richradio. Let me say that again because I stumbled. netsuite.com slash richradio. Head to netsuite.com slash richradio for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash richradio. Ben Lyons in for Rich. Chris Solomon next, The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests work is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the show. We've got Dee Richards from the New York Liberty in about 40 minutes. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. As always, you can be a part of the show at Rich Eisen Show. My social handles at I am Ben Lyons. You can hit us up 844-204-RICH. That's 844-204-7424. We were chatting during the break about if we had a uh, Fast and Furious residuals, what would we what would we buy with our money? Because Tyrese bought... Uh, a hibachi he bought a benihana in his backyard he has a full functioning <laughs> starbucks with employees in his backyard crazy um and uh and a dry cleaner yeah, he right. and, and a dry cleaner he yeah and a dry cleaner, cleaner yes and a dry cleaner as well how about you tj if you had those fast and furious oh. residuals you buying a benihana I, am I, I mean, I definitely have like a Howlin' Rays fryer. Like these guys Ooh, know for sure oh. I'd be getting some Howlin' Rays Nashville fried chicken. That That's mandatory. Benny Hanna is nice. You know me. I like to get my Benny Hanna to go. I know. It's so, insane. Um, it's, it's absolutely it's insane. So it makes sense it's to have one in the crib. It's sacrilegious. It's really one of the like worst things about you. As How sad can you say that? <laughs> I'm a man on the move. I'm busy. I can't sit down for an hour lunch. I man. always wanted a slush puppy machine in my house. There you go. You guys are like living low. I want a f- disco. Like, I want a full-on 70s <laughs> Like a nightclub? Yeah. I thought DJ we were just talking about money, food-wise. No, no, no. I saw somebody who had a nightclub in their basement once. Like Steve Martin in The Jerk. That's who had it. Yeah, there you I go. I want the, the Saturday Night You guys night remember floor. Shane... You remember Shane Black who wrote um, yeah. Iron yes. Man 3? Iron Man, yeah. but he also yeah. wrote uh, the Sam Jackson, Gina Davis, Last Long Kiss. Oh, yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight. Long he Kiss Goodnight. lived, I think, in Hancock Park back in the day, and he had like a disco-type place in, in his crib, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right, Ratner had a nightclub in his house. Yeah, I've heard, I never went to that one. I heard the stories, though. People yeah. want theaters and stuff. Just give me the disco. Chris Solomon from No Laying Up joining the show right now. Chris, if you had Fast and Furious residuals, what would you buy? What did I just walk into? I have no idea what is going on right now. <laughs> Thanks for joining the show. It's what we do on the Rich Eisen Show. You know, we talk sports, real serious issues. Like, is a hibachi at home an investment worth making? You know? I, I can't tell if I'm not cultured enough or way too cultured for this conversation. Like, I don't know if well, I Well, you're have a golf guy. Hobby. You know, you, you're a golf guy. And golf is an elite <laughs> sport. So I get it. You're, you, this is beneath you, Chris. This is well beneath you. Um, congratulations on all the success with No Laying Up. When I told some of my golfing buddies that you were coming on the show today, people went nuts. Um, it's got to be a, a thrill for you to have golfers around the world uh, think of your brand with such affinity. But tell me how this whole thing started and where the, what's the state of the brand today? Well, I always tell people there's a, a two-minute story and a 20-minute story. I'm guessing you're going to ask for the two-minute story, which is basically uh, some college buddies of mine and I, we, uh, we, we started a, 
a podcast maybe about eight years ago now that uh, we kind of looked around. We always want to do a sports show of some kind, and golf was just lagging behind in terms of new media popping up. There was not really the same like blogosphere thing that had been going on in baseball and football for quite some time, and just said maybe we could do that for golf. And we started doing it as a hobby uh, back in 2014, and uh, by 2017 we had one by one started just quitting our, our daytime jobs that we were still maintaining during that time period. And uh, as we started to get pros and guests kind of coming on the show and the show started to grow and sponsors started reaching out, we decided to try to make it, try to make it a real business and a real full-time job. And uh, it is a dream job. Somehow I end up working way more now than I ever did uh, when I had an office job, but I can't really complain about it, especially a week like the one we're about to have, which is, I think the most anticipated golf tournament I've had since I've been covering golf. Yeah. What is it about this year's open championship that has you so dialed in? Well, St. Andrews usually hosts the Open Championship every five years. And they, this, this go-around, they made a gap of six years to have it be the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship to have that come at the old course. And then, of course, COVID hit, which delayed everything a year. And now it's been seven years since we've gone back to St. Andrews, which is just longer than it usually is. It's, it's you know, the, the, uh, the major championships do a really good look. The U.S. Open and Pebble Beach usually don't go too long without going back there. Pinehurst, they don't go too long without going back there. And it just kind of helps with the affinity for casual and, and, you know, regular viewers of golf to say, I know this whole hole. I know this course. I know what, you know, exactly what's going on out here. And, with everything that's going on in the golf world, it has been uh, a very, very tumultuous three, six, 12 months in terms of a lot of guys choosing to leave the competitive golf landscape to take huge paydays to pay for a Saudi Arabian-backed uh, exhibition series that has made me question you know, a lot of what I'm watching on TV, what kind of competition am I actually watching on TV, what, a, what is professional golf. Uh, I, we're not going to have that question this week because all those guys are getting back together at the home of golf in the course is in unbelievable shape. It's going to be so much fun to watch. And it just feels like a really strong convergence. Tiger Woods is playing and walking. And that's just absolutely insane. When you think about what has been going on in his life over the last 18 months. And uh, I don't know, it just seems like it's all kind of converging on this week. Next week, we go back to talking about the stuff in golf. It's not been very fun to talk about, but this week it's all about, uh, you know, a lot of the reason why I love the game of golf traces back to St. Andrews and, uh, we get to watch the pros take it on this week. Chris Solomon, one of the co-founders of No Laying Up, joining the show. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. And I'm glad you mentioned Tiger Woods having a presence out there at St. Andrews because I thought his words yesterday were really powerful. And if I'm a young golfer, I would take those to heart. What did you make of Tiger's comments yesterday at the press conference and his thoughts on all the things happening around the Live Tour? It was uh, reassuring, I guess, a little bit to hear Tiger say that. We've kind of been waiting for Tiger to really speak on this publicly and – a lot of what he said, I just found myself nodding in terms of like, yeah, you know what? Like that, a big part of like why there are as many golf fans as there are today is because of that guy and because of his competitive nature and because of like how he has chosen to go about addressing competitive golf and to he and to see these other guys kind of use the PGA Tour to kind of come up and then leave it and abandon it and then take their own you know big paydays elsewhere has just been like a little bit heartbreaking as a golf fan. Like on an individual basis, do I understand? the huge temptation that comes with unbelievable financial reward to go play some golf tournaments. Of course I do. But it, as a golf fan, it's just kind of bummed me out to be like, to watch guys basically say like, I don't even think I need to compete in the majors anymore. Like I'll just play these big money events. And that's kind of like what my career is now. And that's, you know, I, I think professional golf can be, 
a three or four out of ten on an entertainment scale week to week. Like, it's already not the most entertaining thing to watch every week. There's just so many tournaments and all that. And to kind of have even a little bit of that entertainment value diminished over the last several months has been has been tough as a golf fan. So it was great to just kind of get a, some reassurances of what motivated that guy and hearing from other players just say, look, you can't, like, you know, you can't change what I always dreamed about as a kid. It was playing in Ryder Cups. It was playing in major championships, competing in tournaments like the one that's going to happen this week. And so, yeah, it, it was great to hear him, him kind of address it head on. And, you know, I just I do wonder watching some of the highlights get played on Golf Channel of, Tiger's comments and putting images up of Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau over it as they're saying those words, like that's got to sting a little bit for those guys. Listen, I'm, their bank accounts are not are not frowning at that, but it it is kind of an interesting image to just like put Tiger's words, uh, you know, underneath images of these guys that have have gone and done this. Now, well said, Chris, and, and it is um, you know kind of sad as a golf fan because you do want to see the next generation of golfers have that same mentality towards the game that that Tiger had, which is a big reason why we all fell in love with it. Uh, in the first place, uh, I don't know if you suffer from this, where I sometimes struggle with following professional golf because I'm out playing golf. How much golf are you getting to play now that it's this, you know, no laying up is, is your job and your career? <laughs> less and less as the years go along somehow. I, you know, we, uh, you know, pro golf these guys made our, our jobs extremely busy. And pro golf is not exactly what I love the most about golf. But I think that's what makes this sport so interesting is I think when you reach a certain age, like, I don't. I have no interest in becoming a better football player than I am. I, I'm I'm good with my basketball talents. I I will never pick up a baseball again, probably. But golf, we're going to play forever, and that's just kind of what this unique link that so many people have have to the game. And you know, that's why a lot of them tune in to watch mostly the major championships and the, these great congregations of the best players in the world. But um, I, you know, I live in Florida. It is a, literally a UV index of 11 today, which I didn't even know that was possible. I thought it was a one to 10 scale. So summertime, you know, professional golf is uh, is super busy, and I'm, I'm super busy with that. And once once the season kind of ends and they, we get into the fall is when I play a little bit more golf and uh, get back to the roots as to what I love the most about this game. Well, you talked about how despite being a huge fan, it does kind of underwhelm as a television product. It's the three or four traditionally each week. But that's where brands like No Laying Up come in, and it's been amazing to see not only what you guys have built, but so many other content creators. We're going to have Hallie Ledbetter in studio a little bit later today. There's this whole other world of golf now thanks to digital media and new media that, you know, was bringing fans into the game. So just talk to me sort of about the state of golf content creation and what you're seeing out there from influencers and everybody who's putting their sauce on the game. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about it just being a game that, you know, I, I just don't think it's that interesting. And I could be very wrong to, you know, I, I would never want to go to Australia to like go play basketball or go, you know, there, there's, the, there's a venue aspect to golf that is so incredibly unique and interesting that, there's cultures around it in different countries, and it's just a, a, a like, I don't know if I ever would have gone to Tasmania if it wasn't for two great golf courses being built down there on that island. And it's, it's a, there's a travel and uh, aspirational aspect to all of that that I think is really being captured very strongly in YouTube content and social media and things like that. That um, it, it's, just, it's just pleasant to open up an Instagram and, and just see pictures of golf courses around the world and videos of people playing golf courses around the world and it just kind of helps keep alive a dream that, hey, maybe someday I'll go visit that place, or I'd love to learn more about that, or I'd love to just escape for an hour and watch this video of, you know, this weird golf course in New Zealand or something like that. It's It's been a, a true revolution, really, of that in the last 10 years, and uh, we're fortunate 
to be a part of it. I just, I honestly just wish I could be in two places at once. I'd love to be watching golf and playing golf somewhere at the same time, which is just not possible. And, uh, there just, there's aren't enough days in the year really to get out and film and produce as much content. And, uh, as, as I wish there was, that's the only thing I, I could change if I would. No laying up co-founder, one of the hosts, Chris Solomon, joining the show. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Chris, I've had the privilege of being around some, some really interesting people who work in the game of golf. And the question I always ask them, it's rather open-ended, and I'll ask it to you. What does golf need more of? Um, what does it need more of? I, let's just go up from the start. I think it needs to be a more engaging television product. Uh, when we're talking about the professional game, I think it um it, it's hard to watch on a week-to-week basis when there's as many commercials as there are so from the top-down approach it, it's not a uh necessary delightful thing to tune into a uh, tune on turn on every week um and i think that that can have a filter all the way down to uh golf needing more honestly like immediate answer to that would just be like more par three courses i need a, a place to go where well with my wife who's a beginner or some of my neighbors that are beginners that we've talked about going out and playing golf together that are very much beginners, they don't need a 440-yard par four. They are years away from needing to play that hole. But you know what they would probably have a lot of fun with is a 60-yard hole, a pitch shot, you know, putting, getting around the green, and getting it into the hole without feeling like they're rushed or they need a tee time or they need their shirt tucked in or all that. I just think that, you know, a place like that takes so much less land. It takes so much less maintenance, and I'm just – I can feel kind of a renovation or, uh, you know, kind of a revolution in that as well and more of these things popping up. But I really do think that that's really what the game needs to introduce more people to it. And just to, you don't, not every round of golf needs to be 18 holes. It can be six holes. It can be five. And uh, there's some more and more places that are starting to embrace that. And um, I'm hopeful that over the next 10 years or so, there'll be a lot more places that you can visit that are like that. I hope you're pulling back the curtain. I hope you're revealing what the no laying up brand has (laughs) in the future in the works because a no laying up like headquarters or nightclub that's a par three course and is a vibe. I'm all in, in. all in on that. Um, you know, but it's funny. It's like what I love about no laying up on what you guys have built is that there's this real understanding, appreciation and respect for the game and the traditions we love about the game without, like you said, all the pretentious stuff. We're not trying to go to the golf course in jeans and blast the new, you know, uh, push a T album. Like that's not what's happening, but we can have some fun and we can loosen things up a little bit. So where do you lie sort of on the the idea of, of golf getting a little zanier and crazier and louder and waste management uh, affying the game, if you will. I think there's a lot of room for that uh, entertainment aspect you're speaking about, waste management um, being an example of what they just do the entertainment aspect of professional golf extremely well. That tournament is worth watching because the atmosphere that they have on site rings through on television. The noise the setting that, you know, the networks actually do a great job of that event, just bringing you, feel, giving you a sense of place, feeling like you're within those crazy crowds. I used to doubt how many people they got to that tournament until I went to the first time in person. I was like, okay, this is a festival. Like, this is, this is the extreme end of the entertainment aspect of professional golf. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I, there are some traditions of the game of golf that I, I, I do respect. Like, I do, uh, I don't know. I don't really care if you have your shirt tucked in. I don't really care what you wear on the golf course. Yet at the same time, like, maintaining pace of play and, and, you know, just kind of making sure that the person behind you is having as good of an experience on the course as what you're having, I think is something that uh, is, is a challenge with the game that comes with, you know, new people coming into it and not understanding certain 
you know, I hate to even say rules because really it's just etiquette. It's just like how, you know, does your experience affect the people around you? If you get somebody out there who's a true beginner that has no idea that they should probably pick the ball up at a certain point, you might back up the whole golf course, right? So it's a, it's a challenge that's going to, that golf is going to battle forever as far as I can tell. But there's a lot of stuff that's really silly that just doesn't need to happen um, in the game. But I think year by year, some of that stuff just starts to fade away. I remember people were actually talking about like, should hoodies be on a golf course? It's like, why? Who? Who is mad about that? Like, who could possibly care? That was a big issue, Chris. That was a serious, <laughs> serious issues. Uh, there were lots I of don't... memos and meetings. So many people were cc'd on the email. <laughs> I don't know if it actually was a serious issue. I think people are just like, like one person mentioned it, and everyone got up in arms about one person mentioning it, and it became a storyline for like a couple weeks, a couple years ago, but. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm all over the place. I, I you know, I, I, I dress nice sometimes to go play golf and play real serious competitive golf from the back tees, and then I dress like a slob sometimes and go out and play three holes with with beginners from the you know the white tees or whatever it is. So it's the golf can be experienced in so many different ways. I'll never tell someone how they should experience it or enjoy it. Um, I can just you know try to we try to give people an image of uh, different ways that they they can and um, should maybe maybe want to experience it. Hey, Sally, Chris Brockman here. Uh, big fan of you guys and, and all the work that, that you uh, put out, so thank you for all of that. Uh, listening to the preview for the Open Championship yesterday, why are you so high on Will Zalatoris? We've seen what he's done in majors this year, but do you really think he can keep it up this week uh, at uh, St. Andrews? It's kind of like, a, you know, just keep betting on black until it hits. This kind of thing for <laughs> right. me at this point. I mean, that record that he has in major championships is so it's still underappreciated. Like I really would have thought he would have been at the top of the the betting sheet this week based on I mean guys like Brooks Koepka and Louis Oosthuizen have always had outsized major championship resumes compared to their week to week performances on the PGA Tour. And granted, those guys have you know five major championships between the two of them, but they always would get a bit of an odds boost going into the week just based off the fact that when the golf has gotten harder and more serious and more competitive and, and more challenging in every way, they play better golf than everyone else. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do. For, so for Will Zalatoris, I think he's played nine majors in his career so far. He's got something like six top five finishes and at least three, I don't have the numbers in front of me, runner-ups uh, in majors, including two already this year. He lost in a playoff at the PGA and was one putt away from a playoff at the U.S. Open. And you just like you can't fake that. That's not luck. That's not a streak. That's not a hot streak. That's he turns into a different player when the golf gets really challenging. And I, until he gets down into that fifteen to one range before a tournament starts, he was thirty to one still when this week started. Right. And look, I, I'm I'm fine. I don't even want to call it a flyer. I just honestly think like I can. I feel like I can count on that guy the most to be around in that top five come Sunday. And yeah, I just that one's still just jumping off the page at me. What do you think about scoring, too? I saw a tweet earlier today that Bryson hit it 300 yards with his six iron. Like, do you think it's going to be 25 under on Sunday? I don't think it's going to be 25 under when it's as firm as it is. And they've had a great summer from all accounts in, in St. Andrews. When it's as firm as it is, those fairway, that ball is going to run for a very long time. You might think that might make it easier. It's going to play shorter, all that stuff. Got, the pros do not like it when they don't know when and how their ball is going to stop. So the challenge this week is going to be hitting it. Yeah, you can hit it really far. That's not going to be the hard part. How do you make sure it doesn't stop in a bunker? And when it's just when it's when the ball doesn't stop, it's going to look for something to settle in. And it, I watched balls roll down these fairways this week, and it's just it's like glass. I mean, if it gets it can't sit on top of a knob because of how slick the surfaces are, it's going to find a little hollow. It's going to find some low spots. 
So if you're not in control of where it's going, it's going to end up in a bunker or a bad spot. So, you know, there's guys, I know Justin Thomas at one point hit a six iron off a tee to avoid a particular bunker, and he ended up 30 yards past the bunker he was trying to stay short of. Like (laughs) That kind of challenge is really unique to professionals. And, look, is it going to play short? Are you going to be able to, with great execution, are you going to be able to pull off some outrageous shots from 370 yards away? Absolutely. Uh, But there's just enough, um, I guess, you know, curves in in the road, if you will, that you got to navigate. This is not downhill skiing. This is slalom. Like, this is – you know, there's moguls out there. You've got to avoid them, and you can't just pin your ears back uh, when a course is playing this firm, or else you're going to end up in some really crazy spots. And uh, it's going to be a test of feel around the greens, lag putting and putting around bunkers, and balls are going to end up in some super weird spots this week. I can't wait. There's The way the old course is set up, they're going to be, if you hit one offline, it's heading towards, an, uh, you're probably heading towards another group on another hole nearby, and it's not going to stop. There's going to be guys driving balls over the green with guys still on the green, and uh, it's just mayhem out there. It shouldn't fit as many people on it as it does, yet it's worked for this many years, and uh, I just, I truly cannot wait to watch it. Sally, we appreciate you uh, taking some time. I know how fired you are for the Open Championship to hang out with us today, and congrats on everything with no laying up. A lot of love uh, from all the golfers on this show, that's for sure. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'll come back anytime you'll have me. Cheers. Chris Solomon checking in. No laying up. Entrepreneurial. Did the podcast thing eight years ago. If you build it, they will come. You just slowly by slowly, surely, brick by brick, you build something really special. Um, We're doing that here this week with TJ's greatest NBA players for each franchise. We're building it brick by brick. Slowly but surely, we've gotten through (laughs) two divisions. We've got another one today. We're going to have to speed it up to get to the end. But... We got another one today. We should get to that next. What do you say? You stay ready so you don't got to get ready. There That's it is. TJ's Team Goats coming up next. And we got D.D. Richards, another young goat in the making, coming up in about 20 minutes. Don't go anywhere. It's Ben Lyons in for Rich on The Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons in for Rich all week long. It's a week this summer I've been looking forward to. Get a chance to spend some time with Mike Del Tufo because he never invites me out to the boat. (laughs) You're all invited. I'm going out probably tomorrow. Uh, that doesn't sound like a strong invite. Like, first off, so not, a strong, my not a strong invite. Are, hold on. Now and I'm in limbo. What is a strong invite? Like, what, what do I think? Like, hey, I'm going out tomorrow on the boat tomorrow. Would no, you like I, to come? Also, you I need don't... to do it off air because anything on air is just like the on air thing. Oh, hey, we'll have uh, lunch. Have come out to the coast. We'll have a few drinks. Like, it has to be off air. The problem is I do it spontaneously. The boat doesn't get, it's not a planned event for me because it's close to my condo. So I'm like right there. I can walk. And you just feel like going, yeah. so you go. Like I just go. So if I plan it, 
It's not fun. Well, if you ever feel the urge to put up the bat signal, I do have a nautical side. Wanna, I would oh, love let's to go hit out. the high seas. Have a blast out there. I would yeah. love to Did do that. Did you think that. I have a nautical side? I do, <laughs> yes. I, I do. You were looking at the man who in 1994 was voted as the best crew member at the Orient New York Yacht Club. So oh, I just so want to put that okay. out there. So you know? Nobody rigs a jib like a 13-year-old bat. Okay. So did, right. you, did you pick up with the Winklevi back in the day when you were crewing? Or? You know, I, I have been known to say I'm the third Winklevi. I'm just going to put that out there. The like a cocktail hour at a, at a wedding or something. I might be the third So Winklevi. you're a Long Island Sound guy. So you're, you oh, know, yeah. I'm like a Billy like, Joel song come to life. That's it, yeah. Things we say at cocktail parties, a callback to earlier in the week. I started watching Severance last night. Oh, yeah. How is it? <laughs> it's uh, it's intense. I hear it's very good. It's very good. I'm going to keep watching just because. Uh, but, you know, Adam Scott's a friend of the show and, you know, it's it was Emmy nominated and it's very interesting concept. But. Man, you got, I got to pay attention. I told you that, that that's my show right now, to right. ask people at cocktail parties if they're watching it to make it kind of seem like I'm watching it, even if I'm not. Right. You guys watching Severance right now? <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting concept, though. We yeah. kind of mentioned it before uh, when Adam was here. Like, what sports memory or just uh, entertainment memory or something would you have kind of severed so you never have to think of it again? 2004. I'm a Knicks fan, so how much time do we have left in the show? Well, you know, we got about eight minutes till a hard out on the oh top of the Oh, my gosh. I mean, Reggie Miller comes to mind. Just all those <laughs> nights yeah. at the Garden to TJ just laughed over there. I, I said I Reggie Miller. That, like, like that yeah. removed from my mind. I kind of forgot about that. Um, yeah, why, don't, why don't we, instead of focusing on what we need to get out of our heads, <laughs> okay. nice. let's focus on some of our greatest memories as basketball fans as TJ continues his week-long TJ's Goats of Every Team series. <laughs> Series. Yeah. So let's go down memory lane and uh, give some flowers out to some of the greatest players of all time. All right, guys. So we're going to do the Southeast Division of the uh, National Basketball Association. I'm going to be honest with you. Every team here was pretty difficult <laughs> to pick. So I'm just going to start off alphabetically. I'm going to start with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this one... Uh, Initially, my first thought was one guy comes to mind when you think the Yeah, Hawks. there's only one guy. Yeah, Bob Pettit. Oh, but, sorry. Ben, please don't chime in until I'm done. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you think Dominique Wilkins when you think of the Atlanta yeah, Hawks. Absolutely. And also, they've had great players like Cliff Hogg and um, Pistol Pete play for the Hawks. Dan Roundfield. But as I was writing this down and I was really about to say Dominique, I really had to think about this and kind of dug in the crates and you know Ben kind of jumped the gun a little bit but actually my pick for the Hawk is Bob Pettit yeah. for the Atlanta Hawks yeah. this was by the way a 12 year old TJ can't believe that the guy who was the greatest dunker he's ever seen in his life is not the pick here but if I'm going to be honest Bob Pettit led the Atlanta Hawks to their only NBA championship back in 1958 11-time All-Star, but he was a four-time All-Star game MVP. And I think back in those days, you know, that stuff really mattered. So, And he's a Hall of Famer. So right. I, I really wanted to go with Dominique Wilkins. 75th but if anniversary team. Too. One but of if the you're first gonna, MVP in the league, too. Yeah, so, but if you're really going to look at the history of a team and say this guy is truly the greatest player in the franchise and you only have one championship, very similar to the Jets. I'm not sure if Joe Namath should have been the, the choice, but... 
He led them to their greatest glory, and so did Bob Pettit. So. Now, does it matter that it really wasn't in Atlanta? Because didn't he play with Milwaukee and St. Louis Hawks? Yeah, but we're still talking about, about the Hawks franchise. The franchise, right. yeah. So right. Bob Pettit, shout out to Bob Pettit. I'm going with Bob BP. Pettit. Also, had no idea BP. the Hawks. The Hawks won a title. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, 1958. It was before any of our time. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up next, next to the Charlotte Hornets, and I just want to clarify something. Grandma, I, Ma. we're all big basketball fans, and I said something yesterday, and I didn't realize it until after the show was over when I kind of combined the Hornets and the Pelicans, which was technically true, but when the Bobcats started, they actually adopted the timeline, the lineage, the records of the Charlotte Hornets. I didn't take that into consideration yesterday. Oh, why did uh, people in the comments? No, uh, no, by the way, way, not one person caught it. Nobody caught it except for me last night, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So that being said, I had to, you know, we mentioned briefly yesterday Muggsy Bowes and Alonzo and Larry Johnson, Grandmama, and also shout out to Del Curry for, you know, just producing two of the greatest shooters that we have in the league. It basically came down to Alonzo Mourning, who only played three seasons for this team. And because of that, I went with Kemba Walker, believe it or not. Like, there's nothing spectacular, really, but Kemba is the all-time leading scorer in the franchise, 11 seasons. Kind of like yeah. the safe, easy pick. You know, they don't have a championship team. Multiple-time All-Star. Multiple-time All-Star. So, you know, I, I went with him. I'll, I'll accept any criticism or, or feedback if you want to give it to me. No, cardiac Kemba, you know I got love for Kemba, New York it. Zone. So, yeah, I think uh, thank you for making that 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 correction there to the, the history of the Charlotte yeah, Hornets sure, franchise. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, yesterday I kind of forgot that, yeah, they oh, did. Are we doing Greatest Bobcat ever, too? Or no, we're going to well, just leave it there. Well, no, the Bobcats were oh, part Mecca of that. Okafer? No? By the way, I'll shout out Gerald Wallace, Gerald Wallace was, yeah. was kind of the dude on that. Yeah, Gerald Wallace and uh, Stephen Jackson yeah. on We We NBA Jam yeah, couldn't, couldn't be stopped. A Mecca, like you said, yeah. but I mean, I, I'm gonna go with Cardiac Kemba. By the way, my neighbor in the Upper West Side shouts out to Mecca Okafer. Oh, that's your neighbor. I see him. I see him walking around the neighborhood all the time. I see Jose Calderon walking his beautiful Greyhound up wow. my block all the time. <laughs> that guy would have a Greyhound. You know, I have a theory that people look like their dogs. Like Calderon starting to morph into this like Amazing. beautiful Spanish Greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we got the Sorry. Miami Heat. Ooh, this one was tough. Miami Heat player of this was all tough. time. This was tough. You know, interesting. They, obviously, great. Way, there was only one answer. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. Obviously, great history with this team. Multiple time champions. You got, you know, you got to give a shout out to Shaq, who was there when they won the title. Obviously, UD, Udonis Haslam has been there 38 years. Uh, he'll probably outlive everyone Has the entire on the state roster. of Florida tattooed on his back. <laughs> Tim Hardaway. Again, you have Alonzo Mourning, who was in consideration. Really came down to LeBron and D-Wade. Just because of longevity, what he meant to the franchise. And that 06 series where he just took it to another level. It's Dwayne Wade. Wade County. It came down to LeBron? Well, he yeah, was there LeBron, four years. It doesn't matter, Chris. He yes, left. it does matter. It, he joined Dwayne Wade's team. <laughs> okay, so when you give your uh, reasoning, that's fine. The point it is, does, LeBron, those are the best two players if in the If LeBron Heat James right? played for your, your franchise, uh, then he on. is in consideration for the greatest player. And, and that's really not even multiple arguable. Multiple MVPs. There I will keep as well. this moving. Yes. Next up, we got the Orlando Magic. You know, Magic's never won a title, but they've had some great players out there. Nick Anderson, uh, Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady. Basically, came down to Shaq and Dwight Howard for the greatest Orlando Magic of all time. This was tough. I went with Dwight Howard, man. Just uh, his longevity with the team. Three-time defensive player of the year. That is nothing to sneeze at. Should have been the top 25 All-NBA 
uh, selection. He top wasn't, 75, yeah, yeah. Um, top 75, you said 20, I think you said 25, top 75. I'm sorry, 75, yeah. yeah. So, you know, obviously Shaq could have been the guy here, led them to the finals, as did Dwight. Dwight's longevity kind of gave it to him there, and... um quickly we'll go with the Washington Wizards Brockman said it should be Michael Jordan we could put Jordan on the list but you know you had guys like Earl the Pearl Monroe Jeff Malone who was one of my favorite early 80s ballers John Wall but then it comes down to Walt Bellamy guys from that era I basically came down to Wes Unseld, Elvin Hayes. Yeah. More or less flip a coin. Some people might say Wes Unseld with the way he kind of didn't really have great success as a coach and GM. Maybe that hurt his legacy. But I went with Wes as my greatest. No love like, for Michael Adams? I like Michael Adams. <laughs> oh, Wes, the, Wes, the is, the greatest, back Wes is the greatest yeah. bullet of all time. Jordan is the best wizard. <laughs> <laughs> We can all agree that Gilbert Arenas is the best yeah, wizard of all time. Right. So, yeah, let's, so let's, it, let's, it came down to Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld, and I went with Wes. So, strong, man. Yeah. I love your respect for the legends of the game. That's important, TJ, oftentimes well, I, in these conversations. It really is, Ben, and I, I'll give you guys a quick reasoning for that. Like, I go on TikTok sometimes, and you see these younger kids have these discussions, and a guy had an argument about what was the greatest basketball game a player ever had, and everything that these people were mentioning were like, 2006 LeBron in Game 6 had 38, and I'm like, no, no, guys, 1980, Magic Johnson, Game 6, NBA Finals, do your research. Walt Frazier, Game 7 against the Lakers. Walt well, Frazier's game can't ridiculous. compare to Magic Johnson's game. The though. stat line in Game 7 when when uh, Willis came out of the tunnel. Okay, that was great, but I mean, let's be let's be like uh, like serious, though. Magic may have had the greatest single game of all time. Like, think about it. A rookie starting out of position, which a guy then argued with me that Magic Johnson did not play center. Who are you and, hanging around with? No, I'm saying... TikTok! You listening to me? I'm saying TikTok. <laughs> this go. was a conversation. And he goes, Magic didn't guard Moses Malone. And I'm like, you're right, because Moses Malone didn't join the Sixers until two seasons later. So he indeed did not. So don't argue with me, kid. But that's why I like to, like... You this know, is what happens when I'm like, hey, TJ, let's go grab dinner. And you're like, I'm busy tonight? You're talking to TikTok kids? <laughs> Come on, bro. We got D.D. Richards coming up next from the New York Liberty. Very excited to catch up with D.D. It's Ben Lyons in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Can, you, can we think about this for a second? Though? We are going to live in a world where Shaq is not the greatest player on any team. It's yeah. really weird, man. Same, it's the same world we live in where Carmelo Anthony's number is not going to get retired. Yeah, it's tough. It's a weird world we live in. Harold Baines' number is equal, Ben. So, to be honest, and with you. may never get into the I, Rock I, and Roll I, Hall I, I, love, I love Mello, but those two are not equal. <laughs> it's kill me. That's but but, but oh just to, to go back on this, you you're willing to consider LeBron is the greatest Heat ever for four seasons, but not Shaq in Orlando for his four seasons. Considered, he said it comes down. But, but see, to you right now. You're sounding like the people on on. YouTuber go, I can't believe you didn't consider. Well, I, I did consider them. I said their name. They're in consideration. LeBron won two rings for them back to back. He was the How best player he went in Miami? on the team. Two? So, yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. LeBron James plays for you for a week. He's in consideration for the greatest player that you've had. Like, let's That's be honest. True. Like, I would have liked, liked a little shout out for uh, Thunder Dan, who had a great tan in that second act of his career. Dan Marley, the inventor of the deep three. Okay, but Dan Marley is Dan Marley used to pull it from places. Right, yeah, but Dan Marley's thought of as a son. Period. No, I know, I know. So if know. Orlando Shaq and Orlando Dwight Howard faced off against each other, who wins? 
Well, well Sha- Shaq beats I mean, Shaq's anybody. Shaq's the most dominant, yeah, Then Shaq. Shaq's the greatest magic player ever. No, no, no. no We're no, talking about the, the body of work. This is where these GOAT conversations get blurry. Are we talking about eyeball tests for space aliens, and you come down and you look at someone and you say, that person's the best? Because if that were the case, then, you know, Brandon Jennings would be on the list. But... If you're actually looking at, you know, your resume and what you did in the NBA, he played there twice as long, I think. He did. He had eight seasons. Yeah. yeah, and they both got to one finals. He won more finals games in Orlando. Technically. Factual. Won. No, not even technically. That's a fact. <laughs> like, well, technically is what actually. But, hey, but Shaq was also more. Also, two-time block champion, eight-time all-star, all-NBA, you know. Five-time just... all-defense. It's tough. Do I think Dwight Howard's a better you player than Shaq? I know. <laughs> but, like, I can't, like... Uh, they let my feelings run these. I have to like try to get some respect and be like, You're I have asking to... your friends for the help on the football ones. So, you know, I used to, I yeah, used to... friends <laughs> who are lifelong fans of a team who like are. are I, used to, I used to hate El Tufo getting in the middle of these arguments, yeah, but now I kind of enjoy out. them. Yeah, I feel out. like it's family time. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, I, ask I just someone want who... you to be consistent with how you're deciding these. But I, are you not paying attention when I'm giving you my you reason? You don't hear what you're saying. I don't think you're paying attention. You're not listening. Okay, you're going to break. Hour number three you're coming up next on the Richardson Show. What's what is that? What do you mean I'm not listening? <laughs>